Please turn in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 76. Is God great today? Is He recognized as being great? Surely not in America and the world today. Regardless of that, have you made Him great in your actions and words this week? Are you prepared this following week to make Him great? Yes. Consider the greatness of God while I read this psalm to you. Psalm 76. In Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle, and his dwelling place in Zion. There break ye the arrows of the bow, the shield and the sword, and the battle. Selah. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled. They have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into a dead sleep. Thou, even thou, art to be feared. And who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, Selah. Surely the wrath of men shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Yes. Amen. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Yes. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. Yes. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. Amen. This is a song about God's greatness and our duties to obey him and how we can get saved from the trials of this world. Verses 1 to 3, there's about four sections here. 1 to 3, speak of the Lord being exclusively known to Israel and God dwelling there. Un, not He didn't do that to any other nation. It was just Israel. That's right. Verses 4 through 6 are about God's delivering them in battle and saving them from their enemies. Verse 7 through 9 are the fear of the Lord and description of God saving the righteous, all of the righteous. Amen. Verses 10 through 12 are God's sovereign rule of the earth and our duty as his children. Let's start with verse one. God is known and great in Israel. He was just known to the tri- tribes of Israel. He didn't show himself to other nations. He didn't let himself be known. Right. They knew of him, they didn't know him. Amen. They only knew of him. Yes. His name is great in Israel. His name had power and might. It was not used in vain by the sons of Jacob. They didn't know, the other nations didn't know it. They knew of it, but they didn't know his name, Jehovah, the God of Israel. Verse 2, And Salem also is his tabernacle, and his dwelling place in Zion. God chose to dwell with the Israelites. Yes. Amen. He dwelt with them and among them. Yes. He showed them signs. They were unclear, but he still gave them signs sometimes. We have way better signs. Right. Verse 3, God is great in battle. Amen. He broke the arrows of the bow. He destroyed the Israelites' enemies when he wasn't chasing them. Did not only did he break their weapons, but he also broke their will. It says at the end, he broke and the battle. It wasn't just their he didn't just cause their weapons to fail. He caused their hearts to fail yes. and their will Amen. to fight. Verse 4. God is this is the next part. God is more glorious than the mountains of prey. Mm-hmm. 
I think of Sennacherib and his, his army. That's 180,000 men, more than any stadium in the world can hold. If you multiply for perspective, if you multiplied our church by 900, that's how many men he killed. It's truly a mountain of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled. They have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. You have to be confident when you're going to battle. You have to be sure of victory, otherwise you're going to lose. All the enemies of Israel were. They prepared themselves for it, but nothing can prepare you for the Lord. They needed their hands to fight. That's how they fought back then. You still fight with your hands today, um, but they didn't have them. They lost them when they needed them most. Verse 6. At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into a dead sleep. Amen. Verse 6 explains the sleep in verse 5. They didn't take a nap. They were dead. I think of Pharaoh's army. God destroyed all of Pharaoh's army without even saying a word. All Moses did was lift his staff both the chariots and the horse, into a deep sleep. Yes. Pun intended. It was deep. Right. Right. Verse 7. This verse 7 through 9 are the fear of God. Thou, even thou, art to be feared. Yes, Lord. And who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Right. God alone should be feared. Thou, even thou. Not men, death, or trials. They held no power over us. God can deliver us. Verse 28 of Matthew 10. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body, soul and body in hell. Pride causes us to fear that men would judge or criticize us for saying the name of Jesus Christ, for being Christians. But we do not need to fear them. We have no reason to. It's illogical. We have the knowledge of God. We should also fear God because we are defenseless against him when he is angry. We need to protect ourselves by keeping him from anger and living a righteous life. Yes. Verse 11 of Psalm 2, kiss the son lest he be angry. Right. Verses 8 and 9. Thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. Yes, Selah. God's judgment was heard from heaven throughout all the earth. Judgment coming from a preeminent being and a preeminent reality should be heard and considered. The earth was fearful and still when God came from heaven. He saved all the meek, yes. not just some of the meek, all the meek. Yes, amen. Matthew 5, 6 tells us that the meek will win in this race of life. With supernatural intervention on our side, we have nothing to fear. I speak to my peers when I say this, and myself, because we still have yet to truly learn this lesson. Get meek. Get humble. Consider now that trials will come in our lives sooner than we would like or expect. And when they do come, will you ask God, to remember what you did for him or to ask for repentance of what you didn't do for him and what you did do that you shouldn't have. Verses 10 through 12. God uses man's wrath, wickedness, and hate to get glory. 
Yes. Amen. Surely the wrath of men shall praise thee. Amen. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Yes. We should not be surprised when evil occurs. We know it will. Right. And we know God planned for it. Right. And when it stops giving him glory, he's going to stop it. Right. 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 Verses 11. Vows are a valuable tool. A valuable tool and a present that you can give the Lord. Verse 11. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto yes, him Lord. that ought to be feared. Yes. If we seek higher ground, as all Christians should, consider using a vow to the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's not a situation where you just throw your hat over the wall to get yourself home or ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Medi meditate on it diligently and think about it. Consider it before you commit a vow to the Lord. Right. Keep them in order because they are not to be taken lightly or used tritely. Right. A true fear of God which is what it ends on. It ends on that ought to be feared. A true fear of God will help us consider that we had rather not made the vow than to make it and not keep it. Verse 12 adds some weight to this. He, referring to God, shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. Amen. That adds an extra reason of why he ought to be feared. God's power over the best of the earth kings and princes, should make verse 10 more true to us. Surely the wrath of men shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. God's got it in control, and he can do it with ease. Yes. God's power over the best of the earth, kings and princes, should provoke us to use the tools of verse 11 to keep us close to God, yes. to keep us accountable and draw nigh to him. Yes. We should give gifts to God. Yes. Because he is to be feared. Right. How do we give a gift? By what Brother Newell said, living a righteous life, not making the death of his son for us a waste or a vain thing. We have a great God. We have the greatest God, the only God. Right. His greatness is like none other being in the universe. We know him. But greater yet, he knows us. Yes. He knows how to perfect us. He can give us trials or blessings to perfect our life for him. The goodness of God shall lead us to repentance. And the chastening of God shall lead us to repentance. There's a theme here. The theme is repentance, higher ground. When you receive a blessing, ask yourself, is it a gift or a test? When you receive a, a trial in your life, remember that there's four reasons for the greater glory of God for your betterment of your faith or even others you may not know what your trial is giving to some others but it can encourage them in the future it could be for a chastening of sin in which case we should repent or it could be the natural cause of your stupidity when you come across something and you do it wrong i'm going to read hebrews 10 23 to um 25 real quick let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering yes for he is faithful that promised. That's right. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Yes. Every point in there could receive sermons upon sermons. But God has given us much knowledge and many tools. Let us not take them 
for granted or waste them in this race of life. We have it right. Let us continue to keep it right. Yes. Lord bless our efforts. God, we praise. Amen. Amen. Amen.